0: Raising black children in the United States can be really scary And as a black mother, I realized I was parenting from fear And I wanted to make a commitment to parent for liberation You are listening to the Parenting for Liberation podcast And I am your host, Trina Green-Brown each week, I'm joined by other Black parents, and we discuss our own journeys to push past our fear so that we can raise our beautiful Black children to be whole, free, and liberated. Wake up, everybody, no more sleeping in bed, no more back with thinking, time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. This Parenting for Liberation episode is actually a talk that I gave at the Second National Conference for Children of Incarcerated Parents that's hosted by Arizona State University. I had the opportunity to share my own story and experience as a child who was impacted by parental incarceration. And also I had the opportunity to share about Parent and for Liberation's work in a California prison with women who are incarcerated, about one, how to be liberated while held within cages and also how to raise liberated children. Check it out. Good morning, everyone. So my name is Trina Green-Brown and I'm the founder of Parenting for Liberation. Um, And I'm gonna talk a little bit about my own personal experience um, as a child impacted by incarceration and also going to speak to the work that I'm doing in a California women's prison, um, working with parents, mothers to raise liberated children and to talk about their own liberation even while behind bars. Um, But before I begin and when I enter any space, I like to do some acknowledgments and honoring of folks who have made this space possible. Um, And so first, I want to honor the indigenous folks of this land. Um, I was talking to my friend Samaria, who is indigenous of Arizona, and she shared with me that there are over 22 indigenous tribes and federally recognized tribal communities here in Arizona. And so I often like to ask their permission to be here on their land um, and to take up space. Um, Secondly, I like to honor the women who I did work with in prison, who gave me the permission to share their stories. Um, In actuality, I asked them, do you mind? Do you want me to share? What do you want me to share of our experiences with the world? And they were adamant to share their stories, to share their truths, to let folks know that they are resilient and strong, powerful women who are fighting for their families, fighting for themselves. And they don't want me to focus on their incarceration or their victimhood. They want me to focus on their power. And so that's what I'll be sharing. So I want to honor those 40 women who spent time with me. And last but not least, I want to honor my father. Um, My father, who, because of his addiction, was in and out of jail and prison throughout my entire childhood. His last stint, um, he went to prison when I was graduating from junior high. Um, And I remember 1998, he came and he told me, dad's got to go away again, um, but I'll be back. And the next time I'll be back, I promise I'll stay. And he was true to his word. The last time he came home in 2001, I graduated from high school in 2002, and my dad has been home since then. He actually made it to my high school graduation. And so I want to honor him because, um, yeah, because of his incarceration, because of drug abuse and addiction. Um in the 1980s, so I'm an 80s baby. And as many folks know, the crack epidemic increased in the 80s um, and wiped out a lot of communities due to addiction, but also because of the war on drugs. And so I just want to acknowledge that over a 20-year period from the 1980s to 1997, that the number of folks who were incarcerated because of nonviolent drug offenses rose from 50,000 in 1980 to over 400,000 in 1997. So just in that time, I just wanna honor those folks whose lives have been taken because of their own addiction and because of their own trauma, um, utilizing drugs as a coping mechanism. Um, And so I wanna honor my dad in this space. And because of my childhood experiences and my adult learnings around this idea of captivity, incarceration, I have made a commitment to liberation and freedom. Um, And as a black mother, raising black children in a police state, in a state, in a community that is over-policed because of things like the war on drugs. I really am committed to this idea of how do we raise liberated children? How do we raise children who are not meant to survive and how do we make sure that they thrive Um, underneath multiple intersection of oppressions, whether it be racism, sexism, capitalism, how do we still raise our children to be liberated in places where they are told that they are not wanted? And so that's the work of Parenting for Liberation. And that work is is rooted in multiple theories and and, and, and multiple um, personal experiences and lived experiences. Um, but I use and reference oftentimes um, the work of Dr. Joy DeGruy, um, who coined the term post-traumatic slave syndrome. And so Parents of Liberation's work is grounded in this understanding that if we as black folks can learn from our historical truths and learn from the historical traumas that are created by... Shadow slavery here in the United States of America, that if we can heal from that trauma and we can interrupt cycles of violence, that we can reclaim our power and we can dismantle those systems of oppression that still exist that try to further incarcerate us or further put us down. And so one of the theories is post-traumatic slave syndrome. And, and I like to make the connections between post-traumatic slavery and looking at the slave trade and looking at the history and origins of policing in the United States, that slave catchers and the slave patrol in the South became the police in the South. And so what's the connection between slavery and incarceration and how some folks call um, incarceration the new Jim Crow? And so that's the work, the theories that have underpinned the work of Parenting for Liberation, and that's the work that drove me into talking to parents who are incarcerated. And so with that premise, Parenting for Liberation has three strategies. Um, That one, if we work with families and we bring them together while they're outside. So on the left you see um, self-care Sundays. So doing work with parents to really think about what is the healing that they need to do. Healing from our own trauma. Having hard conversations about what does it mean to raise black children in the United States when it's really scary. And it's a lot to fear. There's lots of threats. And you want your children to be free and whole. And so we spent a lot of time talking about the impacts of multiple oppressions and how do we still be whole. And so we talk about what does it mean to take care of ourselves. And so we had a great day of healing with families um, and on a Sunday. And then in the middle you'll see um, a Black Friday day of action. And so Black Friday is known as the day that you're supposed to shop till you drop. Um, But we took that idea of bringing families together after Thanksgiving bringing black children, black parents together and building community and really talking to young people about what does it mean for you to be liberated? Like if you were a superhero, a little black boy, a little black girl, what would you be? What would your powers be? Because we really want them to focus on like, what powers do we have to leverage change in our communities? So you see little little beautiful black babies with masks on, they're little superheroes. and so. They want to be free, they want to be whole, and so we have to cultivate that in them while they're really young. It's about the foundation that we place in our children. And then on the right, you see um, me with my, with my partner, um, Cecilia Caballero of Chicana Mother Work. Um, she's been impacted by incarceration. I've been impacted by incarceration. Um, She works with Latinx parents, I work with African American parents, and together we came together and worked in this California prison to do a a three-part workshop series called Raising Liberated Children. Um, And so I'm gonna talk a little bit about that now. So the Raising Liberated Children um, workshop series really utilizing our experiences as black and brown women who have a feminist lens. um, We really wanted to create a curriculum that looked at the intersections of multiple oppressions that acknowledged that the women who are incarcerated are there because of systems. Um, they're there because although they probably made poor choices that they had limited options to choose from. And so how do we contextualize their incarceration within multiple oppressions? And we also acknowledge that our family members weren't afforded you know, things like rehabilitation or restorative justice or, you know, things that provide them resources because some of the choices that they made were due to poverty or things of that nature. And so we really talk, wanted to talk to those women about not only their choices, but then what about their life experiences led them to be incarcerated and how to contextualize that. And so our curriculum opened up space for the women who were in prison to identify their own experiences of trauma. Some of us will call that ACEs or adverse Childhood Experiences, but we really just talked about like what's the trauma that you've experienced as a child? How were you parented and raised? And so we talk about past, present, and future. And so in the past section, so in the first session, we, talk, we started to talk about trauma. What is trauma? Um, what is intergenerational trauma? What does it look like? What were your experiences? Um, and we used a lot of art making as the pathway to help, help, help folks open up. And so folks created what we called story maps, where they took their life story into, and you know, going into prison, you can't take a lot of supplies. <laughs> so we used brown paper bags, um, and we folded them in accordion style, and you created your life story on this brown paper bag, um, utilizing markers and chalk and, um, you know, coloring pencils, and, through the art making, it helped folks to open up and to start to tell their stories about their own childhood. And, you know, the stories are probably familiar to many of us, the stories of violence and alcoholism or drug addiction or, you know, child abuse or, you know, a lot of trauma, you know, just a lot of trauma. And that was a really heavy, heavy session, the first session. Um, we actually had um, a mental health counselor on site because folks were really sharing a lot of traumatic experiences, and I was bringing up a lot of stuff for folks, and we wanted to make sure that we didn't crack folks open while in our session and then send them back to their dorms with all of that pain. And so we really wanted to make sure that we, if we opened folks up, that we also really worked really well to close them. And not close them down or shut down their emotions, but to find a way for them to return to wholeness and wellness. And we wanted to bring in all these things. We wanted to bring in sage and we wanted to bring in, you know, essential oils. And, you know, we couldn't bring that stuff in explicitly, but we found ways to integrate that because those elements, those plants, that plant medicine actually helps bring folks back to wholeness. And so we also thought about how do we bring in our cultural experiences, um, our rituals, our practices that help us return to wholeness into prison. And so um, one of the activities that we often brought in was art and poetry as one form of art. And so we brought in Maya Angelou's poem, Still I Rise, and we printed them out on postcards and we sprayed them with sage spray so that as they're reading these poems and they take them back to their room that they have this element, this cleansing power element that they're taking with them. And so imagine being in a room of 40 incarcerated women saying, that still I rise, regardless of the triumphs, regardless of the trials and the tribulations, still I rise. And so, just to hear that echoing through that room, um, standing up, holding hands, and chanting, Still I rise, at the end of the first workshop, that regardless of their childhood experiences, still they rise. And so, that's how we concluded the first session. And these are some of their story maps that they made. And I was asking if I can get a couple, you know, can I get a couple so I can show them? And like half of the folks wanted to give me theirs because they wanted people to see their story. They wanted their stories to be heard. And this is another one. So they're really looking at how to reunite and connect to family. How do they shift their legacy? How do they connect to the world? And they're exploring their past, their present, and their future through art. And some of the things that they want—jobs, love, family, learning—so they want the same things that we want. So, session two um, really focused on how can they now be parents for liberation, although they're incarcerated. Um, And we spent some time talking about the now and like what are their own choices that they can make, you know, in those phone calls with their children, or in the visits that they may have with their children. How can they shift? from the the things that they learned growing up or the way that they were raised, that they have the power to interrupt that and to shift. They don't have to continue to keep the cycle going, that they have the power to interrupt intergenerational trauma and violence. And so they can make choices. Um, And so we started that session off with a poem. Um, We started with a poem this time, and we, we started with the poem, The Rose That Grew From Concrete. Um, that poem is written by Tupac Shakur, so that, was, that resonated really well, being in California. Um, um, and I'll read the poem, because it's a really quick one. It says, did you hear about the rose that grew from the crack in the concrete? Proving nature's law is wrong, it learned to walk without having feet. Funny it seems, but by keeping its dreams, it learned to breathe fresh air. Long live the rose that grew from concrete when no one else ever cared. And that poem really resonated with folks because one, they're living in a concrete wall, within concrete walls in the moment. They're currently living within concrete and they still have the power and the ability to be roses. They still have the power and ability to blossom. And so we talked to them about like, currently you're living in concrete and you can still be a rose that grows within these cracked walls. And so we talked a lot about their own resiliency, their own power, what choices do they have. Um, And we also really got honest about what is the metaphor about the rose that grew in concrete and why is the rose growing in concrete and what would have been possible if the rose was growing on fertile soil. And so we started to talk about what are the conditions that lead some people to living in communities filled with concrete, right? If you live in the projects, if you live in apartment homes, if you live in, you know, you can live in places that literally are concrete jungles and you have to still try to thrive. And so we started to talk about, well, what does it mean when folks, some folks live, they plant their roses in beautiful lush gardens that have great fertilizer and they have the sun and they have water, they have all the nutrients that are needed to grow and bloom a beautiful rosebud, but some folks don't have those resources. And so we started to just have folks start to explore that. Well, what does it mean to have to grow your rose in concrete? What would have been possible if your rose could have been planted in something, a more fertile soil? And so we utilize that metaphor to really help them talk about conditions that lead to folks with these limited choices. Okay, and then we also played a game. How many of y'all have ever played this game as kids? Red light, green light? No? I'm the only? Okay. I was like, come on, people. Uh, I know it's early, but jeez, work with me. Um, you know, you go into a prison, you're talking about children, folks miss their children, so we're like, let's play a childhood game. Let's play red light, green light. Um, and really, it was about the now. What can you do now? What are the choices you can make now and how to make this accessible? What are things that you're doing now that you need to stop, pause, What are the habits? What are the behaviors that you're doing that you need to stop? And that's behaviors that you're doing in your parenting, behaviors that you're doing while you're currently incarcerated. What are those behaviors you need to stop? And then what are those behaviors that you, you know, you're doing and you're like, oh, I'm doing that. I'm trying that out. I think it's working. I want to keep that up. I want to, you know, I was going slow. I want to keep rolling, you know, yellow for us kind of sometimes. Any law enforcement? You know, when you're driving you see a yellow light, you know, you don't really slow down. Sometimes you try to, like, get through the light. So yellow is really about what are the things that you want to do that you want to keep on doing? You know, you don't want to stop at the light. You want to keep going. Um, Maybe no one else. California. Sorry. You've heard of the California roll? You know, like we were. Okay. So sorry. Sorry, my folks who actually slow down at the yellow lights that won't work for you. Okay, and then green is <laughs> what are the behaviors that you want to start that you've never, you know, you've just been stuck and you want to start doing something new. Um, and, you know, some of those things were like they wanted to start listening more. I can't read the handwriting from here. More, be, being more patient, more supportive, creating more time for play and fun for their, with their kids. Um, can some folks just read out what are the, some of the things they wanted to start no, sorry. Continue doing. They wanted to roll through that red light. <laughs> Do you just read them out for me? Showing affection. Saying I love you. Keeping up well-being. Thank you, my front reader. Encouraging and staying positive. Okay, someone else. What are some things they want to stop doing? Stop verbal abuse, physical being too busy, judging, judging, stop bad habits and addictions. And And so it was a fun game. This is only one, there were like 40 people, so we have multiple sheets, I couldn't put them all up. Um, But really just thinking about, we all have choices and we all have power to make changes in our lives, and so utilizing that game, and y'all know the game. Um, Of course, we were in prison, so we couldn't actually play the game because they were like, you cannot have 40 women running Like, run, stop, go, green. And that was like, oh, man. So we had to do it on paper. Um, But, you know, we could do it here. (laughs) Okay, and then the final session, um, we tried to bring it all together and think about, okay, if that's what you want to do to make shifts in your parenting now, then how do you want to be in your future? And what is the future self you want to create? And that's really looking at how do you parent yourself? Because oftentimes folks who who have been parented in a very particular way haven't ever had the nurturing or the love or the support that they needed. So what is the way that you can parent yourself or mother yourself? And so that session was from trauma to triumph. Um, And what we did was they didn't know this. We, at the end of the second session, we had them write down on little note cards, um, a sentence that fits with the still I rise poem. So blank, blank, blank happened to me, but still I rise. And so what we did at the last session is that we printed out the Still I Rise poem for them um, that they wrote um, on this beautiful paper and they were like brought to tears because this is like, you, you created this art, you created this poem um, and we gave it to them and we also gave them their certificates and so I wanted to just read the last stanza of their poem because they asked me to share their words. They asked me to share it with their children, with their community. Um, it's their poem of collective healing. Um, as they move closer towards visions of social justice and liberation. And so their their words will continue to reverberate inside the prison walls and outside the prison walls. So after I say each line, I want you to say, still I rise, like I did when I was in the prison. Okay, so revisiting the past, I opened my wounds of my childhood. I am different, but I am uniquely created for a handcrafted purpose. Seeking my truth, no more secrets, I'm open to the internal freedom. It's not as good as it gets. I love and I'm strong and I rise. You may have seen, never seen the strength in me, but I want to make the, the rest of my life the best of my life. They may have said that she went to prison, but I survived. I cried and I rose from the concrete walls and I will walk out the gate three years later. All right, so that last line was actually from someone who had gotten noticed that they were gonna be released while in the program and so that was her last line before she left the prison and returned home. And so that was really powerful. And this is the certificate of recognition that we gave them. And really we wanted them to know that we were proud of them for doing the hard work of unpacking trauma. That is some hard work, to start to look at your trauma and your past and really make sense of it. And we wanted to commend them for their commitment to mother themselves and to mother their children in a new way, in a different way. And so that, is, that concludes my talk about that particular work. But before I leave, I always have a request. So Mama's Day is coming up, or Mother's Day is coming up, and I want to invite folks to support this campaign. Did you know that three out of four women who are held in in incarceration are there for minor offenses, like driving without a suspended driving with a suspended license, for example? And did you know that folks are being held without being convicted of a crime and detention and they can't go home just because they don't have the money for bail? And so this national bailout campaign is a black-led and black-centered collection of folks who are organizers or lawyers and activists or abolitionists who are building community-based movements to support folks and to end incarceration and end pretrial detention and ultimately end mass incarceration by literally freeing people, collecting money to release people from jail just because they don't have bail money. So poverty and no income and limited resources is what's keeping people in jail who have not even been convicted of a crime. And so if you have resources, um, I'm asking that folks to donate to this campaign. They have released folks back home to community, they want to release mothers to be home for Mother's Day. And so a lot of us in this room are doing work to support folks to be in connection and relationship to their children while they're incarcerated. Well, you have the ability to let people go home. You have the power and the resources to not have to figure out how do they communicate while incarcerated. You have the power to help people actually be home with their children for Mother's Day. Um, And so someone's bail was only $250. Like, it's real, it's, it's really... It's really sad when you actually look at folks' cases. Um, they literally, this com- these community organizers go into the, go into the um, police station and ask, like, what are the bail amounts for these mothers? And if it's like something super low, they collect these donations and they just pay off people's bail. Um, and that gives folks home. So you can check out the website. It's the nationalbailout.org. It's nationalbailout.org is the website. Um, if you're on social media, you can search up the Free Black Mamas Campaign. Um, this is specifically about black mamas, but you can do this for other mamas in your community if you feel so inspired. Um, that is my time. If you want to learn anything else about Parenting for Liberation, here's the info. Um, there's a podcast. Um, we do workshops. We bring families together on social media. Um, and actually, me and my colleague, Cecilia, created a podcast about our work in prison. Um, so if you wanted to learn more about our experiences being at that, um, in that workshop series, There's more details on the podcast. All right. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Parenting for Liberation. I hope something shared on this episode will inspire you to parent for liberation. All right. Until next time, let's get free.